The year is 2000, and the film adaptation of L. Ron Hubbard's sci-fi novel is released in theaters. Some say it's one of the worst movies ever made, but does it truly deserve that reputation? I'm Travis Kirkland. And I'm Luana Saita. And this is the Fandera Trash Movie. Welcome back to another fine time on this fine show that we call the Fend Your Trash Movie, the podcast that examines bad movies and misrepresented films to see if they're actually good. And Luana. Yes, Travis. You know, t- today's movie will be talking about a particularly nasty villain. Uh, definitely an over-the-top performance we'll probably be digging into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get into the villain of today's movie, I think we should take a look back at some of our past bad guys by doing our classic segment, Ranking the Villains. Let's see who is S-tier and who's less than s Exactly. Uh, so for those who uh, haven't uh, heard this one before, we'll be taking a brief look back at the movies we've covered on our podcast and particularly ranking the villains from those movies using the internet popular S tier rankings, S tier being the highest uh, ranking on that grade scale. Uh, are you ready to get into some baddies and see how they rank? I'm always down to Ogle some baddies. Mm. Well, let's ogle this first one because we will be doing uh, Gold Dawn from Warcraft, which we covered in season one. Uh, Gold Dawn, played by Daniel Wu, the evil, evil leader of the orcs. Oh, Gold Dawn is definitely an A for me because, mm-hmm. like, he's such a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has that great reveal at the end where you think he's just a decrepit old wizard, but then he like throws his cloak off and like, oh no, he's actually a super buff guy. Exactly. He looks like one of those like, uh, yeah, hey, hey, look, no offense if you stay fit in your older age, but there are certain like elderly people that like they become like super buff in their <laughs> later eight years. And, it, and, and so their muscular body looks like a little odd and scary looking. And that's kind of <laughs> gold on basically. Yeah, and and he, and he, you know, spoiler, he he kills the hero of the movie. Yeah, and and you also think he he isn't gonna fight because he has um I forget his name, but it's the other orc chief. I think that's played by Clancy Brown, who's like been the muscle for most of the movie. Uh, and you think like, oh, he's the one who's gonna fight in the uh, was it Karakma? What, what's it called when you challenge a fight in Warcraft? The Karatmandu Mangdang, something like that. Oh, fuck. It's been uh, the Krav Maga. I don't Krav Maga, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's not Krav Maga. That's, a, that's an Israeli um, 
combat sport. But Ooh, uh, okay, let's uh, get away from that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but Gul'dan, uh, you know what? I uh, yeah, I think I would also put him in the A tier. Um, yeah, he. Uh, it's kind of fun that he. Uh, you think of him as this bent over, bearded. Because usually, I feel like in fantasy movies. The magic wielders aren't usually the most uh, physical or athletic, you know, characters. And then this one's like, no, no, the, the, the surprise of the movie is that our the evil magic guy is swole. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and like, and, and it completely like turns the climax of the movie around uh-huh. to like, a, like the swole reveal is basically a turn into tragedy <laughs> exactly i mean can, i mean can the alliance take down such a swole magic orc oh my goodness uh um, but uh, i guess we uh, won't find out anymore because they're not making any more sequels <laughs> <laughs> to warcraft so <laughs> I, I shouldn't uh i shouldn't have liked it so much that always happens when i like a movie <laughs> damn it damn it well that's why we have a podcast and luckily, uh, we can he Goldan can feel assured that he is in the A tier for both of us. But let's move on to our next villain. Moving on to another movie we covered in season one. This movie being Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. We're talking about Walker, played by Stuart Wilson, the British arms dealer, who comes to <laughs> Japan to bring guns and gunpowder to feudal japan uh oof ooh, this is a this is a this is i i gotta admit i think of the many villains we have encountered on this podcast this one's i think this one's going low i'm i'm, I'm thinking ooh, am, am i thinking d tier maybe even f tier for walker i'm gonna yeah I, I'm gonna go F tier because I literally don't remember anything about Walker. <laughs> um, he dies by like getting flinged off a catapult. Yeah, think. well, he he he's like atop a tall wall that's on a cliff, and then <laughs> Casey Jones's descendant uh, uh, unleashes a catapult with a flaming thing on it, and he gets knocked down and he falls uh, into the rocky seas below. Um, so yeah, was, and he was was that Casey Jones's ancestor? Yeah, because it's played by Elias Kotis and oh, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and then uh, his his and then uh, oh, remember he had a bird. He loved his caged bird pet. Don't you remember that? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. He had so a bird? yeah, he had a pet bird that he doted on. I. To be kind of like, ha ha ha, look at this powerful villain. But isn't he effeminate because he has a pet bird? Ah ha 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 ha. Aren't we the 90s? Ah ha 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 ha. You, <laughs> you know how it be sometimes. Okay, I mean, you know, on the one hand, the movie isn't very good. It's noticeably dumber than the previous ones and kind of embarrassing. But on the other hand, nothing. I'm put, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a Turtles fan. And again, like I said, uh turtles 3 is the worst move is the worst turtles movie of all time even though i have nostalgic feelings for it but for me walker still goes to f tier yeah i absolutely i don't i i guess i remember the catapult bit it was Stuart wilson he was yep. the villain in 
Mask of Zorro, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We talked about I rem- I think we talked about a bit that he had like a villain run in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, he he uh, was the villain in fucking Lethal Weapon 3. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. Uh but uh Ninja Turtles 3 not a not a highlight for him, I'm sure. <laughs> no, indeed. Uh okay, that's went from A to F tier. What's the next one? Well, our last villain I mean, we talked about how evil Gul'dan was, but this next villain might be the most insidious, conniving one of all, Mm. because we are talking about Lisa from The Room, played by (laughs) Juliet Danielle. She's uh, (laughs) S-tier. Yeah, (laughs) she's such a manipulative, uh, evil woman. (laughs) Oh my god, like... The Lisa in the room is like the the black faced black faced <laughs> black man in Birth of a Nation. You know, uh-huh. like what kind of like psyop <laughs> type of prop anti minority propaganda is going on? Like Lisa is literally <laughs> a guy's worst misogynist. Like. Every impulse is put on screen. Every guy, every right wing conservative guy who has a Patreon and a podcast and a YouTube channel, uh, Lisa is like the epitome of what they think every woman is like, basically. <laughs> yes. uh, I mean, she's so manipulative. Like, because first she'll ask, Hey, do you want, hey, Johnny, do you want me to order a pizza for you? And he's like, Sure, whatever. And then he's like, And then she's like, I already did. And then that, that that's that's a clue that's a clue why would she ask if johnny wanted a pizza if she already ordered it oh goodness <laughs> yeah it's absolutely like it's it's you, you know how well, uh, if you watch the original gojira uh-huh. it's okay. like <laughs> it's like yeah you know it's a, it's a 50s creature feature but really it's if you know the story behind it like you don't even really need to know the story about it. it's a uh-huh. japanese movie about you know atomic testing uh-huh. and it just feels so raw and and real you know uh-huh. and i feel like lisa in the room <laughs> is kind of like the lucky dragon five or Tommy <laughs> like some girlfriend some ex wronged him yes uh probably honestly again we don't know but probably uh in real life this girl this girl was probably like i need to get away from this guy but then tommy wiseau was like oh how could oh, she no. betray me oh no why you oh, do this I, to why, me? No, why does everybody leave me oh and uh lisa emerged <laughs> Um, but uh, but damn if I, I love her cunning villainy as she manipulates Johnny and Mark and sleeps with them both and just you know uh, even though Johnny is a saint <laughs> I know I, I know I, I that's how evil she is Johnny is like the most wholesome soul most precious <laughs> being in the universe and Lisa wants to take advantage of that oh my god can't believe it even with lisa's mom over all the time exactly <laughs> and she doesn't even care that her mom has breast cancer <laughs> yeah absolute s tier yeah lisa you're going more evil than the the the, the worst the most uh 
evil sorcery of Gul'dan. I was gonna uh, say, Lisa could suck the soul out of Gul'dan. <laughs> she could rule Azeroth and <laughs> easily just manipulate the orcs and the humans and any other any other race in Warcraft, you know? <laughs> I don't care that you've been tainted by the Blight, Mother. <laughs> Why don't you have room for my feelings? <laughs> Juliet, Danielle, I know you probably caught a lot of flack from uh, your involvement, but we salute you here on the show. Mm -hmm. That's, um, you know, there's Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber, and there's Juliet, Danielle as Lisa. Easily, easily. Uh, but that was ranking the villains. And uh, you know what? It was nice to get a refresher on some of these previous bad guys because we definitely got a dirty bad guy that we're discussing today and so let's go actually maybe we'll be discussing a few bad guys in real life as well so let's get into uh battlefield earth when we attacked your planet all your soldiers and all their advanced technology could only put up a measly nine minute fight before they were exterminated which is why man is an endangered species. Battlefield Earth, directed by Roger Christensen, was released on May 12th, 2000. Stars John Travolta, Barry Pepper, Forrest Whitaker, Kim Coates, and many others. Uh, Battlefield Earth, you know, this is kind of a big one if one is uh, centering their discussion on bad movies. Because, this, you know, kind of like how... We were just discussing the room. This is on. This is kind of one of the first movies that comes to mind when people think worst films of, of uh, films of uh, cinematic history. Yeah, and to be honest, I I had never seen it. Uh, this was my first viewing of it, and uh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to. I mean, spoiler alert. I guess, but uh, no, the um. Because usually, like with you know, with real stinkers or or at least movies with the reputation of of being stinkers, if you've never seen them back when they were released and when all the the narrative was formed around them, and you know you you only pop into them years later, there's a good chance that you know far from the um, far from that that particular narrative, you mm -hmm. can maybe find it easier to see some things that are nice that yeah. that are uh you know that that um and we've done, done yeah and over. we've done that for a bunch of movies on this podcast absolutely um i was i was not able to <laughs> for, <laughs> for battlefield earth um i i guess the best thing i can say about it is that i was intermittently amused by travolta and whitaker's hamminess mm -hmm. uh but I even have to admit that I had a physical 
physically hard time watching it. <laughs> and like, cause I, I even knew that it was like, you know, like, Ooh, all these crazy Dutch angles and shit, you know? Yeah. But what I did not know was that besides that, you know, preponderance of Dutch angles is there's a, there's some very weird editing going on in this yeah. movie where like, shots don't last as long as they should yeah or they they cut to a completely like i I, i'm not that i mean i watch a lot of movies but i'm not i don't have any formal training Uh but i i almost feel like battlefield earth has taught me about like the axes (laughs) (laughs) it has it has inadvertently given you some very good film school knowledge (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because like, oh, that's not how you should cut. Like, that's not that's not where that's not where the shot should transition to. Yeah. Like, um, to like, it was literally offending my sense of visual grammar as a casual viewer. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. Mm-hmm. So this is. Oh yeah, this is a biggie. <laughs> yeah. Know. You know, to get into that, like, I don't know if this term is really used anymore, but there used to be a term called MTV style editing, right. um, which, um, you know, obviously was used during the, you know, the big popular days of MTV from the 90s and 2000s. But sort of what that meant when anytime anyone evoked it was like MTV, you know, being the, you know, the cool, popular, cutting edge network for the young folk, they would do things like Dutch angles or they would or quick editing cuts when they did not not just for the music videos they should but for a lot of their programming that they would do. And you would see and because MTV was the hot thing you would see those same techniques translate into, you know, other TV shows and movies. And, you know, some people thought it looked neat and some people thought, oh, this is too hectic and you know, this, you can't really make sense of it all. You know, I think Michael Bay's films, especially mm, the yeah, 90s, yeah, were exactly. accused of this. Um, again, I don't think um, maybe because that type of simply that type of filmmaking is now more commonplace. So you don't hear that term anymore. But like it feels like battlefield earth is like the absolute worst example of that where (laughs) like where like you know at least with like that with the mtv style it is some it is trying to like grab your attention at all every second something new is happening but like this (laughs) but like for a sci-fi movie that has you know a pretty simple easy to follow story it it's it it is so as you said kind of visually uh visually garish by the by the constant dutch angles and the editing like with the dutch angles i would not be surprised if a person who didn't know anything about this movie didn't know about all the the bad hype surrounding it watched this movie randomly on their tv and and thought and think that something was wrong with their like their picture quality or something like <laughs> oh my goodness the, the, the screen keeps tilting is is something wrong with my screen do i have to adjust the settings <laughs> or something <laughs> um oh yeah and then like the editing like you said is so it's hard to describe you know obviously editing without a visual component 
Uh, but like it is so rapid fire. I don't think shots last for any more than five or 10 seconds that it's really hard to, that's kind of a difficulty I have that I personally have when it comes to discussing this movie, aside from just, you know, all all the bad stuff I could point out. The movie kind of just continually beats you down with the constant Dutch angles and the editing that's so choppy and doesn't make any visual sense. And also Mm -hmm. the fact that like, you know, for a movie that supposedly is expansive, goes from earth to outer space, the settings are usually just forest or warehouse. Forest yeah. <laughs> or warehouse. All of that combined, honestly, it makes me kind of make the movie hard to remember for me in the sense that, like, yeah. I, I don't, like, like you could tell me, like, I don't recall when certain story beats happen. Like, okay, mm-hmm. oh, like, okay, I, I remember Barry Pepper watching a video montage of the, the history of the world, but does that come after we see Kelly Preston or before we see Kelly <laughs> Preston. And when is that I in com- yeah. and when that. is that in relation to like Forrest Whitaker revealing that he wants to betray John Travolta? And when is that in contrast to when Barry Pepper fights the guy over like the, the slop rations in the jail? It's like I can pick out these scenes, but it's like I, I don't know what order these go in because everything is at a maximum. 10 for incompetency no yeah that that is a great uh observation because i too remember these elements in the film <laughs> and i neither do i or neither can i place them within relation to each other because <laughs> like even just like knowing the information that you know of these nuggets you should be able to, even if you don't remember it, like, okay, so logically this would have to go before this because this, you know, like uh, the Forrest Whitaker's yeah. betrayal should come. But fuck if I know. And it's, it's, it's just so cheap looking. It, it's almost like, again, if you had no, if you knew nothing of this movie and just put it on, you could have sworn like, oh, this is just some sci-fi channel direct to direct-to-TV yes. movie, and they just happened to wrangle John Travolta when he was a, at his low point in his career. But no, then you find <laughs> out, wait, not. no, like... he's on an up, he's on a revival of his career, and this was put in theaters with, like, a budget of millions of dollars! Right! And, like, you know you know what it actually um, reminded me of briefly? of I guess in um, in theory, because not, not visually, um, Although I guess maybe in the sense that it's it's got a TV budget, but not like in terms of how it was framed and such. Um, I've been watching uh, like the last couple of years, I've been watching Deep Space Nine and Voyagers, like mm-hmm. 90s Trek. Yeah. And like if you took the plot of this, like not, not the execution, just like the plot, some mm-hmm. aliens and alien species enslaves a less advanced alien species uh for um you know to to mine gold or whatever Mm -hmm. and uh uh, from the one perspective it's kind of like this struggle for freedom and like realizing who you are as a species versus this kind of corporate backstabbing storyline on the on the level of the other species 
that's something that could like on paper be a a trek episode yeah you know you've, you've got like the ferengi you know the other mm -hmm. quark from deep mm -hmm. space nine always love they love money and and, mm -hmm. and, you know, and like maybe they sneakily found a less advanced race and they're exploiting them for labor because uh, they think they're gods or whatever like that that's definitely something that could have happened on on a an episode but the thing about trek is that within its budget like they you know maybe they don't always succeed um at it to the same extent but within its budget they try to like make a um make a point that they, they uh -huh. want to tell a science fiction story uh mm -hmm. but here we have this trek conceit brought to us with like the sort of the rah-rah boneheadedness of an independence day wannabe and those two things don't you know <laughs> yeah. um and almost like it's... it was originally written by an incompetent person hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know you think the with mm -hmm. the this director, Roger Christian, I think. Yes. Mm -hmm. He did second unit on Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. You'd think he was at the very <laughs> least able to churn something, you know, boringly, blandly watchable out, you know. The, the, but no, it truly is a bafflingly shot and disconcertingly edited disaster. Oh, you, yeah. You'd think that you'd just get some dispassionate craftsmen to polish a, a, this turd of a novel that we've uh, that we've made into a screenplay because like uh, yeah we we all want to kiss the leader's ass uh -huh. i don't know if he was still alive at that point um i don't think so was was Wait. hubbard alive at that no i no he no i think he, he passed away by then yes i believe okay but yeah uh, so you've got a lot of you got a lot of uh, you know the money the money people all want this to be you know treated with the reverence of of, of some holy text or whatever mm -hmm. so what would you do especially for a um <laughs> a sect that is very active in hollywood that uh is you know can you know has got some resources uh-huh you just want you want a J.J. Abrams, basically. You know, someone who can. <laughs> you want someone who just can deliver a blockbuster du jour in the style of what people like to see. Uh, something inoffensive, something bland, because all the nuts so shit is in the text. That's what your, that's what the cult leader has provided you with. But we have to present it in a way that is, that goes down smooth and that people will, will, you know, swallow. <laughs> but like like a rat <laughs> exactly for some reason they did not do that <laughs> they presented these you know that the, the nuts so source material was presented in possibly an even more nuts so way than than what is actually the text because again it wouldn't have been that crazy in the context of a star trek episode so mm -hmm. like a random 90s star trek episode mm -hmm. So you could you could have made it go down smooth with general audience, yeah. but they legitimately chose not to do that. Well, yeah, like they, the yeah the plot of this could have easily been like a low budget like Roger Corman film or something. 
Seriously, yeah, exactly. And it is it is wild to me that they did not have the presence of mind to just be like, hey, you know, we want our leaders' beliefs to get in the mainstream, so we have to make it palatable. Mm. No, they they couldn't do that. Mm. I mean, literally, uh-huh. I could, if some if some journeyman Deep Space Nine director like yeah. Winrich Colby or yeah. hell even Jonathan Frakes he'd started directing at that point. <laughs> I, he could he could have delivered a, a yeah. decent paddlefield Earth. I His feel. Nickelodeon movie uh, clock clock stoppers, stoppers <laughs> which I haven't seen in a long time, but I didn't enjoy it. But it is probably I could get a handle probably on clock stoppers more than like what happened in <laughs> Battlefield Earth. Yes. Yeah, hmm, it's almost like the organization behind this movie is more interested in spreading their message and influence than uh, actually putting out entertainment. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, but, uh, but that, that's what that's what baffles me so much. If you want to put out your message, and you uh-huh. want to do that in the form of a big sci-fi movie. Yeah. When you want that sci-fi movie to, well, you know, be liked and like sort of wear the clothes of a normal movie to smuggle in your message. (laughs) Hey everyone, this is Travis talking from the future days after this episode was originally recorded. Now, I am just popping in to give you a heads up on something. In just a few moments, we're going to mention the movie sound of freedom however we get a little confused and instead we call it sound of thunder uh i'm not exactly sure why i thought it was sound of thunder uh, and not sound of freedom sound of thunder is of course the ray bradbury story that was eventually turned into a movie and sound of freedom is the movie about child trafficking made by terrible people uh but just want to point that out um my mistake because i was the first one who said sound of thunder instead of sound of freedom but know that anytime in this episode we say sound of thunder we actually mean sound of freedom all right let's get back to the episode I mean, I think, and I think I brought this up beforehand, but it is almost kind of like how you see all these right-wing movies pop up these days. Like, I think I've talked about in the past, like, you look at movies from the 70s to the 90s, and there are, like, power fantasy movies of, like, a conservative nature, like the Rocky movies, Rambo movies, Mm -hmm. uh, Schwarzenegger movies, Ghostbusters, and, and, and whatnot. But, like, the... But the... I don't know about good thing but the uh palatable thing was like the people behind those movies were smart enough to know entertainment came first and they were willing to like uh take those messages whether they thought they were even promoting a message or not and, and just putting that into a movie first message second and like that's the problem when you have like people who want to and yet who and again i'm not saying that making entertainment for message purposes is bad but you know that there are those particular types like uh scientology and all these right-wing grifters who want to do uh message first movies and not only are like the messages bad but they are so focused 
on getting the message out there that everything else is like secondary and they just assume right. that the and maybe rightly so i mean not in the case of battlefield earth but maybe they assume that just all the idiots who follow them will just flock to them because it's like i mean look at sound of thunder it's like oh yeah it's an action movie you know like taken mm. but oh but it's about child trafficking so you know that'll that'll get the little sobs all the all yeah. the all the angel studio followers or sobs um <laughs> type of thing you know and, and but in this case it did not work for, work out that way for battlefield earth because i think people already smelled the stink <laughs> yeah. of it from a mile away like if you look at if you read up on the making of this movie it took a while for this movie to be made because almost every studio and every filmmaker who was offered this turned it down because of like nope this is from l ron hubbard this is gonna stink in fact there's like a <laughs> quote from some studio exec who said something similar to like you know, anytime you make a movie, there's always a list of 10 things that could go wrong on the production. But mm -hmm. with this, Scientology is the 11th thing you would have to worry about. <laughs> and it's like, that's true. That's true. That is so 100% true with this thing. Yeah, yeah. Cause like, I think the difference with something like A Sound of Thunder is like, there's a lot of people out there that buy into that QAnon shit. Uh huh. But like, Scientology is definitely a top-down thing. Mm -hmm. Like it does, it does not really speak to the disgruntled, you know, MAGA chud working class. Dude, sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 This is very much a you know rope in rich people, celebrities, actors, and like you. Hey, you know you're special, but do you know exactly how special? Elron will tell you, buddy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's not it's it's playing on feelings of ego rather than feelings of discontent. Yeah, true, true, true. Uh, so exactly. That's where Scientology is the 11th thing. Because once people get a whiff of Scientology, they're like, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, um, and it definitely seemed like Travolta, you know, having this upswing in the 90s, thanks to Pulp Fiction. Like it was really Travolta and his dice of Scientology that this thing even saw the light of day um and I, I read that he'd been trying to get it made for so long that uh he originally wanted to play the barry pepper role but by the time he actually <laughs> got it bankrolled he he played the villain because he was wasn't uh wasn't a spry uh, young chicken anymore you know he's kind of fun as turl and i'm not saying that this version of the movie would be any better but i would also kind of want to see another awful version where travolta and all his hubris would be like no fuck it i'm going to try to play the young the young fit hero <laughs> 90s you know vincent vega era john travolta <laughs> trying to be the young dashing hero of battlefield earth it it feels you know you know which movie felt like that where a star pushed their uh, or you know pushed their will through and like no I'm gonna be the the hero of this movie whereas um 2017's the mummy uh, <laughs> I feel like if you watch that I feel like Tom's role is very much written for a way younger man <laughs> He's like a guy who's goofing off and constantly getting told off. I'm like, why? When are you gonna take responsibility? <laughs> you know, like there's so much potential in you, and, and like that's the kind of stuff you say to a 25 to 30 year old movie hero. Yeah, 
which is funny because like his no. sidekick is like Jake Johnson, who was like, yeah, that you could probably say that about Jake Johnson. And- yeah. <laughs> Not a 50 plus year old Tom yeah. Cruise. Like, if you're not fulfilling your potential by the time you've reached your sixth decade. <laughs> funny that we, uh, it's funny that we invoked another Scientologist oh yeah, starring movie. <laughs> oh man, The Mummy could be a future episode. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Uh, uh, but you know what? To be nice, yeah. maybe not so nice because. I would not call Travolta's performance good in this movie, but it's like, at least it's big and hammy and it's something, right? You know, it's like yeah, you're, trying, you're, you're, you're grasping for straws for anything in this movie and you're <laughs> yes. at least like, well, at least Travolta has no, at least John Travolta had no one on set telling him, no, don't do this. And, yeah. so, and so he's going for it. I was taught to conquer galaxies Galaxy. before you could spell your, your name. name. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to admit I had a good laugh near the at the end of that scene when he's like when he's like really sad about being passed over for that promotion. He just starts grabbing all the green goo drinks and like <laughs> <laughs> like like uh the cyclos. <laughs> um i mean i guess they're kind of the best thing because again it's just a bunch of fucking older actors just literally it it feels like goof off time like oh we're gonna put on silly makeup and masks and be like it's like it's not good (laughs) but it's something you know and what gets me is that like they're like navi size they're like super tall yeah they're up they've got those platform shoes on (laughs) It's like there's no like Lord of the Rings style force perspective. They're just on these dumb stilts and platforms. <laughs> and they look so like I feel like a revolt should be pretty easy because they constantly look like you can easily topple them. Topple them, like push them over or kick right. kick out their platforms from beneath them. But no, see, <laughs> this is smart, you see, because the cyclos look down on the man. Oh. So they have to be so high up because they look down on man animals i see this is a smart visual storytelling yes going yes. on yeah uh, um i mean man just got man animals like of all the things you could like okay sure here's an alien race who doesn't view humanity as as anything but a subservient servant you know race man animal that was the best term you could think of it when referring to them not even dogs and you know they're like oh look at that dog over there and there have been plenty of these types of stories where the alien race is like oh those humans are just dogs but no man animal you can even just contract it into manimals manimal like that tv show manimal <laughs> oh yeah that was a tv show. maybe they could maybe for copyright reasons they couldn't do that Scientology is very litigious, except they do not want to step on the trademark of Manimal. They know that the rights holders <laughs> for Manimal would go. And that's the that's the only other organization that they will not fight. Manimal is the Taylor Swift 
of gimmick-based cop show. <laughs> you do not touch Manimal. You will mm. not win a legal battle against the Manimal shareholder. You, you know, if we covered TV shows instead of movies, Manimal could have been a future episode, I think. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we do, like, the the, the first episode of Manimal. If the we pilot really, for the pilot or If we really run out of ideas. Um, yeah. You know what I also hate about this movie? You brought up this early, how this movie just tries to be a grab bag of things that, of sci-fi stuff that they know right. that the plebs and the audience will gravitate towards. Like, let's do Star Trek and Independence Day and we put them in a movie together and right. that all makes sense. Yay! Uh, again, oh God, I hate this. And, you know, I, I genuinely still like this franchise, but... Gosh dang it, I am really sick of filmmakers trying to make their quote-unquote Star Wars. Like, please. Yes, we get it. One of the most popular movies of all time influence you to become a filmmaker. Sure, yay. Join the, you know, join, you know, the army of millions of other people who can claim yeah. that. And, like, God, does anything, like, kill my excitement more than someone trying to say, oh, ah, this is my Star Wars. I, I'm going to hear like my Star Wars. And it's very clear that the people behind Battlefield Earth, aside from Roger Christian being on this thing, they want to <laughs> make this a Star Wars. So this thing is going to it's is going to spawn sequels and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, here, you know what Star Wars flourish? I actually hate the most in this movie because mm -hmm. um, we were already talking about the incompetent editing. But then, like, they want to do like the the old film wipes that's yeah, yeah. but every wipe comes from the center and wipes you know to the left and right and they do that for every wipe transition as though <laughs> they're doing this movie on like iMovie or something <laughs> oh god yeah no exactly and fucking ends with a fucking death star trench run and, they, and uh, it begins with a crawl well you know it's the year 3000 and the cyclos and blah 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 Gold, blah blah blah, and yeah, oh, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> of course, you know, the problem with trying to be your own Star Wars is that Star Wars wasn't trying to be Star Wars, it was just, um, it was a hodgepodge of stuff George Lucas liked. Mm -hmm. And with this one, it's like, yeah, okay, you want to be Star Wars for Scientology, but like, what are we putting in there? Mm -hmm. What is the George Lucas mix? Like George Lucas had obviously like samurai movies and old westerns and like the old war movies with like the dog fighting and stuff. Mm -hmm. What is in there that should make us go like, oh, oh boy, some good ideas here. I might be, I've uh, enjoyed this film and the aesthetics and or like themes that are presented here. Have made my brain more open to some of the teachings of Scientology. Like, what? What is there? What? I I I don't understand what the movie is offering in terms of like, isn't isn't this a, uh, you know, isn't <laughs> this a fascinating idea that you might want some more information about, huh? Like, what is there? What What are you trying to say? Like, because the cyclones are just. I mean, they're just invaders. They're they're bad. But like, what are their like? What what? Because they're obviously so cartoonishly evil that mm -hmm. 
um, there, you can easily make them stand-ins for whoever Elrond wanted you to hate. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that uh, Scientology has a problem with I think therapists. Yeah, psychology, which. I mean, that is like the simplistic that, oh, he hates psychologists, so the villains are cyclos from the planet Cyclo. They don't really, they're just, they're just big, tall brutes. They're Mm Klingon-ish. It's not like they use their, you know what, you know what I mean? That there's Mm -hmm. nothing psychologist-like about their villainy. They don't Mm -hmm. like use their Ooh, they're honeyed words to lead you to your doom or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. Like that. That's what. That's how I would smear the the profession of, of the therapist if I mm-hmm. wanted to make anti-therapist yeah. propaganda. But they, I mean, they're just big burly guys. That... Yeah. I mean, it seems like Elron Hubbard. Uh, I mean. Fuck, we could do like so many. We could do an a whole entire podcast episode length on this on this asshole. <laughs> but like, obviously, haven't read any of his sci-fi novels. Why would I? I actually right. have better things to do with my time, including scratching my belly button. Um, but like, from what I have gleaned from other people who have decided to see what the hell his sci-fi novels are about, because he wrote a lot. Like, he didn't just write. Dianetics and Battlefield Earth. He wrote a lot of sci-fi novels because that was one of his big interests. And it seems like it seems like he the main thing he is interested in is just uh he is interested in kind of his own version of the hero's journey of the guy who is willing to take on the bad guys in the big system and then take them on because he is special and he knows everything um and also apparently there's a lot of uh very problematic sexual stuff in that so so that (laughs) is uh you know add that to the billions of other reasons i would never read his not his stuff anyway but uh yeah it, it does seem that is definitely what is motivating him these like self-insert power fantasies of that he wants to write about and so like everything else is like secondary like this guy was literally just on his fucking boat in the middle of the ocean just pumping out novel after novel and like you know just that's that's what it was and then it was up to other people that he had fooled into following him to like think about oh yes l ron and this is about you know this and this is about the you know the human spirit and blah 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 and you know at least that's what i seem to glean when it comes to like his sci-fi writing right right okay well hmm. sure sure and in a way that's that's very american i Mm -hmm. suppose the the idea of like the little guy individualism and Mm -hmm. Pretty conservative, I suppose. That's because that's, mm-hmm. that's essentially what Rocky. Oh, he yeah, he, he had some mm, he had some conservative views. If you read some of his stuff, Oof. oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Basically, every bad thing you think you could think about a guy like that it is basically true. <laughs> okay, that's a uh, sure. Uh, well, 
I'm glad this fucking bombed then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the, the, the guy, like, um, oh, it, I, I want to bring up this fact because I think it's super funny because we talked about, you know, oh, how much of a fraud this movie is and how it relates to the fraud of Scientology. But um, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you read into the, the making of this movie, like, there was another fraud happening because... Um, this, like we said, this movie, even with the support of John Travolta, was having a hard time finding financing until they found this comp- movie company, I think that was operating out of Russia or Europe, uh, called Franchise Pictures. And this guy who, I forget his name, but this guy who ran Franchise Pictures, he basically specialized in trying to find pet projects of movie stars that couldn't right, find yeah. financing and so he would come and be like oh the big studios won't give, give you the money well i'll give you the money and i will make sure that your vision is seen through uh and eventually uh that that company went bankrupt bankrupt quickly after <laughs> uh after the release of battlefield Earth because it turns out that that company and that person running it was frauding other production companies out of money. <laughs> I mean, that certain budgets and certain grosses were way overstuffed and pocketing the rest of the money. And uh, it's just funny just looking how like, man, again, this is just sham after sham. It's literally you're seeing like the 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 plywood two by fours that are barely keeping this thing up, you know? Right, right. Okay. Oh god uh but yeah i mean it's there it's on screen it's like you said it's uh it's a um a forest warehouse (laughs) it 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 looks like such a fucking scam movie uh it it feels like aesthetically like a like some b-tier like b-tier alt rock band of the mid 90s did a dystopia themed music uh-huh. video uh-huh but like not a big musical act would it be like pearl jam or i don't know michael jackson because they could get ilm you know? <laughs> <laughs> like it, it would definitely be a yeah no it, it that 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 embezzlement definitely shows up on screen <laughs> the embezzlement uh, is so bad that like Obviously, the CGI in this movie is bad. Like, every shot of Planet Cyclo is terrible, and the ships, <laughs> spaceships look terrible. That there's a there's a moment in the movie where Barry Pepper, I believe he he's, he's put into one of the Cyclo ships, and then I think, if I'm rem- remembering correctly, he is watching a, a, like a, video simulation a computer animated simulation of flying the ship Uh but like it's supposed to but like the the idea is that he's looking at a computer generated simulation so the cgi looks like a generation worse than the cgi that's on screen that's supposed to convey planet cyclo but then you look at that it's like that is barely that is barely like slightly worse than worse like, than what's actually than what's, presented exactly exactly that it almost seems like a joke that it's like wait is this actually bad cgi or is this in 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 congress <laughs> you know is, or is this um in compliance with the other bad cgi I've <laughs> and thus meant to look like state-of-the-art <laughs> uh yeah um yeah i don't know uh, i mean again this is i 
again, I know we try to bring fresh perspectives, but uh, I, I don't think you'll get necessarily, I hope. You I, some- yeah, I, I think we are supplying a very cold take on this movie yeah as cold as uh as 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 uh, as any as any as any evil cyclo could you know convey <laughs> you know whereas we're as cold and as devious as a cyclo shooting cows for fun <laughs> i i uh, i found out that like the um besides roger christian who definitely did real work on real movies like Return of the <laughs> Jedi. The uh, production designer for this movie, Patrick Totopoulos. Oh, no. Had, had come off Independence Day in Dark City when he uh, did Battlefield Earth and went on to do two Underworld movies, iRobot, um, Batman v Superman, and Zack Snyder's Justice League. And let's not forget 1998's Godzilla. <laughs> Yeah, of course, Tatopolis uh, even named Nick Tatopolis after him. Matthew Broderick's yeah. character. Oh, God. Oh, man. Um, he did. Last year, he still managed to squeeze out Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Okay. Hey, uh, maybe he has the mantra of, they can all be winners. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if I have any more things to really say about Battlefield Earth. Uh, so do you want to go ahead and get the wrap-ups? Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's let's wrap up. All right. So uh oh, take a pick here, but let's go into most trashy, least trashy, our least favorite, most favorite stuff from the movie. So Luana, kick it off with most trashy. What for you was the least favorite, most trashy thing about this film? The actual shot composition and structure. Like it was actively hostile to watch. Uh the just the uh almost alien rhythm of the scenes uh, transitions that were jarring that um that made things unpleasant to watch uh that i i, I could have understood it if only the cyclo scenes were like this that like just being in their presence is, is disconcerting but like no the the pure and simple humans in their caves also have constant jump cuts and and uh, crossing of the axes and oh boy like so the actual technical um shooting of the film was <laughs> uh, the trashiest for me uh, how about you travis yeah i mean i have to be in agreement like obviously like even if this was more competently shot and edited you would still obviously have problems with the acting and the script but man oh man does just all that get compounded by uh the editing and the shot composition and like you said it's like you know uh it's it's like you 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 could almost learn how to make movies better just by watching everything they do in this i'm sorry roger christian but uh maybe you were too harangued by travolta (laughs) and his fellow cronies but like uh but yeah it it it, it, it's uh it's a it's just uh, not only offensive on some foundational level because of the l ron hover connection but just on the outside just a movie that is incompetent to watch on the surface level Ooh boy luana <laughs> but we have to move on to least trashy our most favorite thing about this movie and uh 
Jeez, uh, Luana, for you, what was the least trashy, most favorite thing about this? I guess that would be um, Travolta and Whitaker's the sort of hammy acting, like the cycle acting is kind of funny. Uh, like, I mean, there's no... least i mean i guess it is trashy in the sense that it's hammy acting and like going over the top but like at least it was fun to watch kind of um so that's the best i can do for this movie really <laughs> how about you travis i'm gonna bounce off that and be like a kernel of sweetness if there can be any sweetness that can be applied to this movie is that um the sexy lady friend of of turl is played by Travolta's real life wife Kelly Preston, Kelly and, Preston. Yeah. and you know, I think that's nice. You know, obviously Travolta has a lot of rumors surrounding him, but uh, you know, the fact that he's like, hey, you know, I there's a scene where uh, I have to present a sexy lady, and I'm gonna choose my wife to be that sexy lady. It's like, yeah, that's, that's cute. That's it's like that's nice. That's nice. Mm -hmm. uh, again, maybe again, we are looking for maybe uh, teardrops of water in this. <laughs> desert but uh i i can at least latch onto that you know no that's no that's true that's that's nice all right but let's get to the final question really the ultimate question of this podcast so luana give us your final thoughts by answering the question is battlefield earth a trash movie hell yeah it is i mean it's just shockingly incompetent without even getting into its you know evil source material um I it was um uh, I wish it wasn't but it was definitely one of the more um unpleasant watches that we've had on this podcast so definitely trash how about you Travis Yeah I mean I think our feelings are pretty obvious at this point but yeah believe the hype everyone I know that this show you know we do try to give up what we feel are honest appraisals of these movies that get bad reputations. But uh, believe it, like, even if you don't have any problem with Scientology at all, this is just an unpleasant movie to watch. Like, even like, you know, like I said, even if they try to wrap the message in some type of palatable sci-fi blockbuster, they, they whiff that, totally whiff that. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, and I hope that like, uh, and again, people might think I'm trying to reach too much when I say this, but it's like, this is the problem again, when you have these terrible people trying to use their terrible connection and influence to try to make entertainment, um, you get, you know, not only you, you have, you know, the spread of these types of terrible influences going, but then you just get terrible bad stuff like say what you will about like the worst corporate the worst corporate shrill of movie making you can get nowadays in the 2020s but you know at the very least like those are done for like and i'm not saying these are good reasons but capitalist reasons which aren't good but at least like there's a certain honesty and it's like well they just want you to keep you know lining the coffers and just being mindless drones to just keep seeing 
movies whereas like movies like these are terrible because there is more sinister things going on here um mm-hmm. so i i don't know even if you're a bad movie aficionado i say yeah watch this once because it is infamous for a reason but don't return to it i think <laughs> one trip i think one trip to planet cyclo is enough uh-huh. <laughs> you said it Okay, but uh, look, let's leave behind all that nonsense because we have a new episode coming up in two weeks, and that means we'll be doing a brand new episode in Luana. What's that, Travis? You know, it's particularly exciting because not only is it a new episode, but it'll be the return of a certain tradition because the holiday of Valentine's Day will be just around the corner. And you know what that means? Time for romance. Time for romance. And look, who can think of a more romantic place on earth than Forks, Washington? Mm-mm. Now that that's a tradition we love indulging in here at Defend Your Trash Movie, our annual trip to Forks, Washington. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Luana? They say that music is the is one of the most romantic ways to convey love. So uh, if you'll allow me, I have a song that I would like to sing. Detonate me, Travis. And I would love to sing this song in tribute to the classic rock and roll band Credence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> I see a new moon rising. I see Jacob on the way. I see some shirtless boys are running. I see the Voltari in Italy. Well, now it's time for Mullen over Jake or Edward Cullen. There's a new moon on the rise. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be returning to the Twilight Saga with New Moon. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, and uh, we'll have to see. Are we Are we Team Jacob, Team Edward? Well, what? Where will we fall on the divide, Luana? I, I, they're just both such enticing options i i don't know yeah who knows? i guess we'll need a rewatch to find out yeah and i can't wait to take that romantic trip to forks in two weeks uh but yeah that'll be in two weeks uh with that brand new episode in the meanwhile you can follow the show on twitter at trash movie pod email the show at trash movie pod at gmail.com and if you're feeling especially nice and generous you can give this show five star rating on spotify or apple Podcasts. in two weeks will be our brand new episode with twilight saga new moon but until then the defense rest see ya see ya